Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Hello. Hi. Today we're going to be playing Birds of a Feather, Western North America, designed by Teal Fristo. The artist uh, is Trevor Fristo of the cards and the cover and graphic design by Quill Collot. Published in 2022 by Snowbright Studio. Every year, as enthusiastic birders, you embark to see as many different birds as possible. This is going to be your big year. Explore wonderful habitats while on a quest to see as many beautiful birds as you can. Will you follow the trends and help everyone spot something beautiful? Or will you avoid the crowds and be the only one to admire something rare? Grab your binoculars and compete to be the top birder. The mechanics are hand management set collection, simultaneous action selection, and solo solitaire. And the box art. Oh, it's very cute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's really cute. Um, It's a yellow finch. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so there is a yellow finch um, on a tree branch with a water scene behind the little bird. Um, Lovely island. Lovely island, yeah. Good font. It's got like a little like... Feathery kind of things on the, um, oh, I forgot the term for those things. Uh, yeah, so based off all this, would you pull it off a shelf? Uh, pee Yes, I love birds. Uh, Kate? Um, now that I've seen the cover, yes. But without the cover? Um, maybe, maybe not. I like birds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't be the, the first thing I'd be drawn to unless I saw the cover. The cover is is really, really cute. Uh, yeah, I think if you had asked me before uh, Wingspan came out, if I would want mm. to play a game about birds, I would probably tell you to fuck off. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't want to play a game about birds because who cares? But after playing Wingspan and then just like being far more interested in birds for whatever reason, <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's a game about birds. The art's super nice. I'll pick it up. Yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, but I actually, I think I'm in the opposite boat because I think birds, I like birds, but now I'm like, well, this has got to go up against wingspan. So it's, you know, and bird game and bird game, uh, which is peep mounts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oh, sure, yeah, we have other bird games. This has got a tough competition. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you wouldn't pick it up because you don't have a lot of bird needs. Yeah, exactly. My bird, my bird game needs are fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So I might be like, ah, I don't need another bird game. Be like my fiftieth train game, mm. you know. That's a bad example because I feel like train train people love train all the train games. Mm-hmm. All right, how do we think it's played? Set collection birds. We want to be the top birder. So it's it's probably going to be different birds, right? Not the same birds. Probably not. Right, right. We want all the pretty birds. Not all birds are pretty. Some of them are ugly. Dude, they're all pretty. Okay, maybe not those buzzards. Yeah, that's what I'd say. <laughs> Uh, what actions do you think we're selecting on our birds? Uh, spotting it, taking notes about it. Okay. I like a good n- bird note-taking game. Do you have a map where we swallow? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be kind of cool. Like a map of all your locations and your bird spottings. Sure. I don't think that's this game, but I like it. <laughs> like yeah. like you, you have to like see a bird, and then you have to take notes, identify it, and then mark on the map where you saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and then and you then have to determine it. what type of it's an actual true birding game where you have to determine the bird. Ooh, okay. That actually does sound kind of fun. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
I'll be honest, I don't think we need any more. I think we know the game we want to play. So, <laughs> so the history of birding? The history of where you find a yellow finch on an island. Yeah. Kind of, sort of, you guys. We're on the same wavelength, maybe. The Audubon Society. And the Audubon Society helps with all of that, right? Are you guys familiar with the Audubon Society? I have a friend who volunteers there. Oh, that is so At least she used so to. Cool. I don't know if she still does. Um, she took care of the ducks. Okay. As a young child, I thought it was a car thing. That's fair. Because yeah, mm. Autobahn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I actually follow them on Instagram and they ha- it's just some of the best pictures. They just make your day kind of picture kind of thing. So, um, but yeah. Uh, so obviously into pre- like from the get go, preserving bird populations and now even tracking bird populations and environment and things of that nature. Started in the 19th century with all the other kind of progressive type ideas of, you know, preservation, et cetera. Um, Interestingly enough, some of the different things I was thinking about for this history uh, tie into this. But I do want to just mention some of the early works in birding and bird preservation uh, started with a guy named George Bird. Grinnell, like, so he's got bird in his name. But and did then he add it? I, I don't know. That sounds sketchy. <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. No, I bet. If it were his last name, but if it's a, like a middle name. I, I bet it was part. I bet they said he was named that. I feel like that's a very 19th century thing to do. To name your kid bird? <laughs> it's kind of like a romanticism type of thing. Sounds like more of like a 2010s. Famous Hollywood people kind of name. <laughs> I mean, maybe 19th century famous people and 21st century famous people. Yeah, they're all they're all nut jobs. I did not say that. You did. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway, he was familiar with the works and uh, paintings of a bird painter called John James Audubon, and he also went to a school uh, conducted by Lucy Audubon, and so. Hence, the society he founded was named after that. But the auto, most of even the Audubon Society itself, the history that it points to are these two ladies, Hemingway and Hall, um, who put together the Massachusetts Audubon Society because they were horrified in 1895 um, at the Boston socialites who... Um, were basically uh, hunting, especially water birds and especially the egrets, too close to extinction for feathers for their hats. And this is something I had um, listened to in a history, fashion history podcast that I also listened to and about how, um, especially in the late 19th century, hat making, so millinering, millinering, Millinering? I don't know. Milliners are hat makers. Um, And the whole fascination with exotic bird feathers to put in hats just, yeah, started a whole thing that was creating a lot of strain and stress on bird populations. And so, interestingly enough, when I was thinking about feathers more than just birds, I was actually thinking about this 
feather hat craze. And that's how the Audubon Society actually really started to spread. Um, these two ladies also, I really like this. They held an afternoon tea in 1896, like several, several of them throughout the year, um, hosting hundreds of Bostonian socialites that came to kind of boycott and protest against these fashionable hats with uh, bird feathers. So when you go out to buy a hat, just make sure it doesn't come with a bird feather. Especially if it's a bald eagle feather, because those are illegal to own. Oh. Unless you're part of certain Native American tribes. Okay. Or a bald eagle. Or a bald eagle. I was thinking mm -hmm. of the great, the great white egret that hangs out down at the big pond. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was looking up because uh, there was a battle in World War II on Atu Island, which is part of the Aleutians. Um, and I was reading about it one day. And then I got to the section on Wikipedia where it talks about uh, the island itself. Uh, and it became very famous for birding because oh. it was so far from the rest of the continental U.S. that you could see birds uh, or the continental North America, basically. You could see birds that you can't see anywhere else. Uh, and so it was big in the competitive birding scene where you have wow. to see a certain number of birds in certain regions during a certain period of time. So you could go to Atu Island and see like a ton uh, of these birds. But that's now it's closed. Doing. Now it's closed. So it's harder to get to, to Atu Island. I think that's the game we're playing. But the, but the fact that you can be a competitive birder is just... <laughs> I have a new calling in life. Yeah. I, I want to be a, a competitive birder with sponsors. <laughs> Who sponsors a birding competitor? I'm assuming Nike. Birder. Probably Nike. <laughs> yeah, Adidas, maybe. Uh, so you guys want to know how to play? Yes. Sure. Yes. Oh, good. Because uh, we are birders. And we're trying to see how many birds we can see over season. We are essentially competitive birders. Yes. Uh, we can explore different habitats and whoever sees the widest variety of birds is the winner. So play is simultaneous so there is no first player. The game will last a set number of rounds based on our player count. Uh, so our player count at four, we're going to play 15 or 14 rounds total. So we're going to have a hand of 15 cards. So for each round, it's going to go in several steps. So in the first step, uh, each player is going to secretly choose a bird from their hand and play it face down in front of them. Second step, once everybody has done that, we're going to reveal what are called the arriving birds. And then uh, if anyone played a raptor, uh, they're going to chase away all the lingering birds. This won't be a factor for the first round because there will be no lingering birds in the first round. Uh, and it's only lingering birds within the same habitat as the raptor. Uh, and that's raptor the bird, not a velociraptor, <laughs> although that that would be cool. Uh, so then everyone is going to record the birds they see. So uh, each bird that is in the habitat matching the bird that you played. So not just your card, but all the other players cards and any birds in the lingering uh, bird area, you get to score all those birds that you haven't previously seen. So there's going to be a score sheet that everybody's going to track it. If it's a bird that you've seen in a previous round, you don't get to mark it again. You're just trying to see the most number of birds, not or most uh, number of different birds, not the most number of birds. So then all the lingering birds are going to go away. And then all of our arriving birds are then going to become lingering birds. Uh, and then each player uh, and then 
if we have uh, one card remaining, then the game is over. It's because we've played 14 rounds at that point. Uh, if not, then we play another round. So once the final round is played, scores are taken. So for each habitat, we're going to add up the number of stars for each bird that we've seen. Uh, one of the birds in each habitat is going to be worth zero. One is going to be worth two, and all the rest of the birds are going to be worth one. Uh, if you see every bird available in a region, you also get a bonus of three points. We're going to add up the scores for all of our habitats, and whoever has the most points is the winner because you have seen the widest variety of birds. If there's a tie, then the most pl the player who has seen the most uh, birds of all in the most regions, so you've got the most all bonuses, uh, that's the winner. And if it's still tied, you're gonna compare your unplayed card and the position that it falls in on the score sheet. Uh, and the one furthest to the right and furthest up is the winner. And then if it's still tied after that, then the players win together. And those are all the rules. That's it, that's the whole thing. Competitive birding. Competitive birding. Let's play. We just finished a game of Birds of a Feather. To recap, BP had 22 forest bird points. I had 23 all-around bird points. Kiwi had 25 ocean bird points. And Kate won with 31 bird baron points. <laughs> <laughs> no mountain points? Well, you just had, well, you had multiple completed, so. Mm -hmm. uh, winning strategy, Kate. Uh, so luck, <laughs> I, I, um, honestly like started out just like picking the cutest bird and I didn't even understand how the Raptors worked. Like it was like four rounds in when I was like, what does that symbol mean? Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess by a second round, I saw that how you scored off of what was left. So I saw whatever, what was going to be there for next round and tried to play something that would give me points off of what would be in the lingering uh circle yeah i'm wondering how much of it is luck of the draw at the beginning of what you get versus how much you can sometimes play off of other people mm -hmm. i feel like it's got to be a combination of both though right because like i drew no raptors but i was still able to get like three of the five raptors mm -hmm. because i would play off of what somebody else did and then once i figured out like hey there's some and, and i think it happened to eric too like I needed to play some cards earlier to try and get yeah. some some of the those bigger ones because they definitely got played because none of us had any of those remaining at the end. Yeah, mm -hmm. we had like the ones that there were there were more of, and so I think it's one of those things where like I think if we played it again in the future, like you would know, like okay, somebody just played a double wing, like I need to get that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do think there's a bit of luck though because I had I think was it one mount no one I had one card from a whole type. So I just couldn't, I, I'm not going to get any of those points really. Because you played it um, early. And maybe if I get super lucky and everybody has three, then I can get four of them. But mm -hmm. it kind of doesn't give me much to do in that area. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then of course there's the luck of, especially the first play. Like if you get lucky and three people play the same thing and you get, you're the only one. Right. But it, it would yeah. be interesting to play again and see like how much of it is luck a, a second time now that we kind of know but, it better. Right. But, yeah. yeah. I have a better understanding. Yep. Yeah.
I mean, I, I, the same thing as Kate, I started playing the cutest birds and then <laughs> realized that wasn't going to get me what I needed. I mean, it's at least a starting point, right? Until sure. you figure it out and then you figure it out and you realize, damn, those cutest birds screwed me again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Chasing the cute bird when you just needed that buzzard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. <laughs> uh, theme. What did you think of the theme? Oh, that's me. <laughs> Very <laughs> startled today. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was, um, it was a cute theme, but I guess it could have been a lot of things. I, I, yeah. it was, yeah, I don't know. I guess like we sort of talked about it. No, we didn't. It was like, I don't know. I'm trying to, I, I, I kind of see where your struggle is. Cause I kind of agree. It, it does kind of work like the whole lingering birds and, and it is habitats. Like, yeah. <laughs> but we weren't really saying, I don't really look at the bird names and part of that might be tabletopia, right. but it was a lot more like, Oh, I need a, a, a orange two wing. Uh, yeah. Or mm-hmm. a green egg. So like, yeah, it's kind of there, but it's kind of not. Right. And cause of the way the simultaneous and kind of quick play, like initially I was like checking out my birds and seeing which were the cute ones, but then yeah. You're yeah. Just but looking finally you're, for like, yeah, by you're like just looking at the round two or three years starting to just look at symbols. Yeah. So I kind of yeah, see what you're saying. Yeah, and I was gonna say the same thing. I, I feel like we I, we came to the same like okay, I need I need a two feather card, and that's what I'm gonna yeah. I, I need a two feather orange by the time we got to the end of the game. Whereas in the beginning, I was like okay, I, I got the the one feather desert, but by the end, it was just like I I need a one feather you know orange, and it was mm-hmm. going so quick that there was no because like the first time and like usually when we play wingspan, when you play a bird, like everybody stops and you read the like little <laughs> fact about the bird, you know, that wasn't present here in this game mm-hmm. and it moves so quick that it would, you know, and since it's simultaneous, there really isn't time to be able to do that. So you don't get to enjoy it. And I feel like, you know, the, with the habitats and like where you are, so like kind of plays into the theme, mm-hmm. but then ultimately I feel like it, it could have been everything, you know, you, yeah. you could have been, you, you could have made it license the license plate game in card, card format, like spotting <laughs> different States license plates. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that would not have been as pretty though. So yeah, no, it would not have presence. been as pretty, but. Uh, yeah. So table presence BP. Um, I mean, the cards were very pretty and obviously the birds were cute. Even I think the Raptors they chose were I don't know. I actually, I didn't have any raptors to look at. Yeah. Um, I think in person though, some of that of not getting to see the cards Mm -hmm. would be mitigated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you'd be able to, to see it a lot better than on tabletopia where, you know, things just either you're zoomed in and you can only see your stuff or you're zoomed out to be able to see the whole table. So, um, but the cards were very nice. Yeah. I think my only complaint about the cards is, you know, so you had three desert eggs, but they were all the same bird. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it would have been nice. There's only 60 cards. So it would have been nice to have like, you know, three different desert eggs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because ultimately when you do the scoring, you're just looking for the egg. Right. The, the art and the bird you know, could have been different. The art and the bird could have different. Yeah. Yep. yep. I agree with that. Which is a silly complaint. Like it has nothing to do with the game. It's just... Right. Well, I yeah. think that, that part of a bird game is you want to look at a bunch of birds, right? So more yeah. birds yeah, is yeah. better. Uh, Kate, anything table presents? Um, yeah, it's pretty much just what everybody said. The cards are really nice. Uh, table presents as a whole, it's a card game, so there's not a huge presence. Mechanics, Kiwi. 
So I, I liked the idea of, you know, the, the mechanics themselves weren't anything crazy, but the, I, the hand management piece with trying to, you know, either try and guess what other people might play based on what's in the lingering or, you know, trying to hold on to cards. You know, I was holding on to this orange egg, which I didn't need the orange egg at all, but I was holding on to it <laughs> in the hopes that a that an orange feather would like a single feather would come up. And then I was like, okay, it's going to be in the lingering birds and I'm going to, I'm going to grab it. Cause I know the Raptor's already been out, so it's not going to scare it off. So there was like, I don't want to call it tactical, but there was definitely some thought that you had to put into it because of, you know, that lingering bird active bird kind of play. And the fact that you got to score off of other people, you kind of had to guess like, and maybe it would have been easier if you could look at other people's score sheets I mean, I wasn't looking at anybody else's score sheet, just at my own. Right. So maybe I could have been like, oh, you know, crap, like one, a one feather has already been out because mm. somebody has scored it. You know, so what are the chances that someone else is going to play that other single feather? And maybe I would have played differently. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Like if I could have remembered what early birds came out, then I maybe could have played smarter at the end. Uh, yeah. I think there's some, yeah, like there's some interesting takes. Like one is just having your whole hand at the start of the game. Like I don't know that I've mm-hmm. played anything like that before either. It's like, I know what I've got for the whole game to work with. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. And like you said, the active bird lingering bird and scoring off of each other's birds was interesting. So like, yeah, nothing fancy mechanics, but some interesting sort of variation. Uh, cater BP. Nothing to add. No. Yeah. Uh, rules. How was it learning the game? Um, it wasn't too hard. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty simple game. Beyond one that you definitely get the hang out of hang of after, you know, playing one round and seeing how that scoring off of the lingering birds works. I would say, yeah, the one downside is if it takes you a couple of turns to play through, then maybe you've missed a lot for the first play. But it's Mm -hmm. such a short game, you could just play again and and I think it would solve that. But it is kind of hard because you like I said, well, because you have your whole hand and everything's sort of set, if you don't understand it. Like, I feel like if you, like, if we were to play again with a, another person that was brand new to it, they would be at a disadvantage just because of yeah. like, those yeah. first couple rounds figuring it out. But yeah, mm-hmm. otherwise it's, it's not hard to pick up. So no, I think that hey, the symbols on the cards were pretty clear too. And I mean, yeah, the rule book, I, I don't, I didn't even have it open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and I think I, I did the show notes, read the rules, did the rule, uh, summary and made that score sheet all in the span of 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and then never opened the rule book again for the teach or the play. So it was like, you know, super, super simple. And one of the things, so in the rule book, um, they do point out like, Hey, if you want to, you know, if you're not using the app for the score sheet and you want to save on score sheets, here's a way that you could mark it so that you could use the same score sheet for like multiple games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it offers that suggestion. And then um, I think the company at the time was trying to, it was, it was big on uh, sustainably producing games, but there's a page in the rule book that's dedicated to, um, let me open it up real quick. Cause I think that's worth uh, bringing up. Uh, so the second to last page in the rule book is all about 
the Journey North Tracking Migrations and Seasons. Mm -hmm. So Journey North is a citizen science program at the University of Wisconsin-Madison Arboretum that focuses on migratory species and the collection of data about them. Uh, and it's basically you can go and volunteer to help uh, scientists and researchers track birds and plants across North America. And then it has a, a link. So www.journeynorth.org so that you can help like this citizen science uh, migration study. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. Um, I thought that was interesting, but then like the fact that they were trying to sustainably produce, you know, using recycled materials and they were very big on creating the smallest box they possibly could with the least amount of, uh, you know, plastic and mm -hmm. stuff in mm -hmm. it that you didn't have to throw away that I think is pretty interesting. All right. Uh, player interaction. Um, there's probably a bit more than kind of these normal drafty card games because you are trying to like, like i think kiwi said like you could really get into it with like okay i remember they they got this bird so they might be looking for this bird and trying to figure it out that i don't know that we did too much of it but it was sort of like i mean we did yell at each other i yelled at everybody a lot <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so you're kind of because it is relying on other people to get your points so uh -huh. yeah if they don't do what you think they're gonna do then it's like damn it <laughs> yeah i mean because uh, when we were reading the mechanics initially and like the simultaneous gameplay, I was like thinking about that and that, I don't know. I think that automatically makes it a little bit more interactive as well. It can See? go either way. Cause it could be like a, a roll and write where you're simultaneous, but you're kind of doing your own thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that, it could be like a fuse where <laughs> it's very <laughs> yeah. interactive. Yeah. So and I feel like those are your, your, those are your, that's the two for, that's the two ends of the spectrum, I think, on that one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was also apprehensive since it was a solo solitaire option. I think mm. it has to it that it wasn't going to be as much. But yeah, you really are reliant, especially towards the end on what other people are playing. Yep. Yeah. And, and there is a suggested variant in the, in the rule book that says, hey, after you've played a couple of times, uh, they call it the migration rule. And based on the number of players in the game, uh, before you draw for the next round, you actually pass cards. Mm. So okay. you, know, you get to keep some. And I think for a four player game, we would have been passing three cards each and you would have passed them counter you know, clockwise. So you could change up the cards that are in your hand mm. and move those around, which I think would offer uh, slightly more interaction. But then you know, it might change up your strategy because you're yeah. going to be getting new cards and that might change up the order in which you want to play. And then um, I think the game is really set for probably four or more players because uh, when you play with two or three, you add cards from the deck. Uh, so you're still going to start with 15 cards. Each player is still going to select one, but then you're going to add cards from the deck so that it equals four. Mm. But they do offer a... Uh, a more competitive, and I didn't read them because I wasn't worried about it, but they offer a variant that makes it more competitive at two to three players. I don't know how it does that, but they have thought about the fact that, you know, hey, it, this game works best at four or more. It'll play up to seven. Um, yeah, but they offer a more like strategic competitive version at two to three players. All right. Um, would you play it again, Kate? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Um, yeah. I cute bird cards. Um, maybe not. 
plenty of time to look at them, but you could build that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, easy to pick up. I think um, it gets points in my book for some of like the logistical things, like hearing that it's a small, like compact game, like it could be added to our, mm-hmm. our campaign game list. <laughs> and also like the simplicity of it makes it something that I, I might get to, you know, like play with my family and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. go play with yeah. yep. uh, younger kids and stuff. Yeah, I'd agree. I, so, yeah, I play it again. Good job, bird game. I would at least play it one more time and maybe see like how kind of the luck and the, you know, having played it strategy wise uh, plays out. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd add it. I, cause the two player, I was going to say, uh, it depends on how two player plays. Um, but maybe try that. I don't know. Um, maybe see what some of the other rule options are too. Uh, but uh, yeah, it would be a really good camping game or a, a trip to Curacao game. Mm-hmm. Um, anything like that <laughs> would be pretty ideal for that. So, uh, which I appreciate in a game, uh, Kiwi. Uh, yeah, no, I would definitely play it again. I think, uh, well, my question for Eric was, uh, you know, you, you, you compared it to peep mats and I don't know if you just mentioned it. Uh, how, different. How, just very, just okay. different. Um, peep mats is a little bit more mathy of a game. This is a little bit okay. more interactive of a game. Uh, and wingspan is a bigger game. So they all kind of fit different sort of areas and they all have cool, mm. cool birds. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I would definitely play it again. I like the, I, I agree with Kate, like the fact that they were very cognizant about mm. environmental stuff when they created it is a big plus for me. Um, but the fact that it was a, it's only 60 cards and that's literally all you need, uh, you know, in the score sheet, but you could use your phone and they have the app that you could use to score it. Uh, and it's a super small footprint. Mm-hmm. So th- this is, could be something that you played on like a plane, mm-hmm. you know, and you played it on the, the center the center seat, if you had like multiple people, you know, you could all reach it. Uh, and I think that's a super nice uh, kind of deal that you could do. So, um, yeah, I would definitely play it again. Like a quiver game? A quiver game. Uh, mm-hmm. It hasn't been brought up in a while, but yep. this would be a great <laughs> quiver game. You're right. Uh, I would also play it again. I was a yes even before finding out about the the small footprint, uh, but that makes it definitely a lot more attractive in I think many of our books, knowing that they're being very conscious of it and supporting kind of the citizen science projects to help preserve our birds. But it was just it was so much fun. And I figured out I felt like so late that I wanted to just play it again right away, just to kind of like Eric said, to figure out what the luck versus the strategy would be a second time around Um, and knowing that there are variations to kind of keep it interesting made it just that much more a yes, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think I would really want to play it, however, in person, just because I think you would get so much more from the table presence and the bird cards and the art. Yep. All right, that was Birds of a Feather. So if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail or Twitter and Instagram. We are at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel says as he's crouched down in the marsh with his binoculars, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. Shh.
We look forward to hearing from you. Ha, <laughs> Play more games. Yeah, it's not the raptor scaring it away. It's the camel scaring away <laughs> animals. Oh, it's starting to get it. Things are bad out here in Birdland. Again, <laughs> you guys really let me down. <laughs> I think you fuckers are going to play. <laughs> Shit talking for burning. <laughs> Damn it, Kiwi, you fucked up. <laughs> uh, okay, and everybody. Uh,